This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello, everyone. You're listening to By the Book. I'm Sharmila Ganesan. And as always, joining me today is my fellow lover of short stories, Lee Chui Lin. Hello. And uh, today we are joined by writer Saras Manikam, who is the Asian regional winner of the 2019 Commonwealth Short Story Prize. Saras is already <laughs> cringing. Uh, but more notably, her anthology of short stories has just come out. It's called My Mother Patu. Saras, thanks for joining us today. I'm petrified to tell you the <laughs> truth, but yeah, yeah, I'm. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us, despite um, <laughs> the trepidation. Um, let's start with the the collection itself, right? Mm. So, for many readers, their first introduction to your writing would have come from my mother Patu mm. um, and the prize that you got. Um, but what was your entry point into writing about these characters that recur over the collection? And what was actually the first story that you wrote? Oh, um, I'd always been writing and I actually published a few stories when I was an undergrad and I'm very proud of it. I keep telling people I wasn't a published writer already. <laughs> but um, there's one story here called Day, Raju. Yeah. That was the first Silverfish published it. And, you know, uh, the first time I got published after many, many years. Uh, may I just ask when that was? 2006. So that's one of the very few stories that where nothing has been done to it. Um, for the other stories, I've been tinkering with them, you know. So, yeah, that that was a, such a simple story that and it was a joyous story because it was there, Raju, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, I enjoyed writing that. So considering that these were stories that you wrote um, and that you, uh, to loan your phrase, tinkered with over time, mm. um, was there a certain sense of narrative and cohesion that began emerging as you wrote them or as you began to think about, you know, how it all tied up? I, I think I'm half sloth because it takes me <laughs> ages to write. So once the first draft or second draft or third draft, once that's done, then I leave it alone. And, you know, in the meantime, I go into other stuff, writing the other workbooks and so on and so forth. And what happens is that in the meantime, I would have changed. My outlook would have changed. Um, just to give you an example, Pato took about 10 years to write. The person who, first, who wrote the first drafts was very, um, uh, what do you call it, judgmental. Um, very clear about what's right, what's wrong, and and bad people should be punished because they're abusers and stuff like that. And that story never flowed until I learned a little bit about humility and, and, and about life and about, um, you know, suffering, as it were. And, uh, and I actually had to set, sit back and let Patu speak and speak in her voice, which demanded attention. Then that story came to be written as, um, as a fairly decent piece, you know. Actually, um, you saying that makes me think of something that I thought was quite a strong uh, through line uh, mm -hmm. through the whole collection. And that's the voices and stories of women, which is very prominent, but specifically women that are often deeply flawed, quite mm -hmm. grey characters. What drew you to these sorts of stories? They're so real, aren't they? Yeah. I, I mean, when you read about good, proper women, you know that's bullshit. 
cheating, you know. I don't believe in that. Um, or maybe when I was younger, I did. Uh, because the, the younger person who wrote about Patu had, was very strong in her convictions. But I think um, as I grew older, I, I thought all of us are flawed. And and yet all of us put one foot in front of the other and go on and and we say F off to the world and, and, and come to a kind of a understanding about ourselves about the, the about the about the situation we find ourselves in and you know I, I like women like that uh, and and in most of the stories I think the women do face up to the fact that they are flawed and they take responsibility for what happens to them or they take some kind of uh, take charge in some small way if they can not all of them can but they try and I thought that's the kind of women I would like to write about. They're real people, you know. And I, I would say that it's not just women, right? Because I agree ah, yes. with, uh, with both of you that the voices of women, uh, flawed women, strong theme. But actually, broadly speaking, um, many of the stories also have characters in uncomfortable situations mm-hmm. or uh, mm. particularly characters who haven't themselves behaved as well as they would have liked. Yes. You know, they, yes. they, they, would, they wish they'd done something different. Uh, what's it like writing from this perspective? What interests you in this you know, particular point of view? Oh, actually, it's, it, you're right. When I say women, it's really not women, it's people, you know. And, uh, and because, uh, although I, a lot of my characters are women, uh, one of my stories that I like particularly is Charan, because the father mm. has to acknowledge there's always chosen comfort over, and, and what is easy over what is necessary to be done, you know, and had always made excuses. I think at the very end, he had to acknowledge that. And I, 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 I thought that kind of experience is what most people undergo at that point when they realize who they are and what they are. So I'm glad you brought up Charan because um, there was something I kept wondering as I was reading your stories, mm-hmm. which is, did you know how they were going to end? No. Uh, because a lot of them to me felt a little bit as I was reading, gosh, this is such a difficult story. How might it end? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was wondering how that was for you. Did it only emerge as you were writing? Absolutely. Um, the thing I have learned is that when I try to decide, hey, hello, this is how it ought to go, okay? This is how it's going to end. She's going to, you know, whatever. It never works. You, it's like not honouring the characters' voices. And the moment you start honouring their voices, then they come out and say, shut up, let me tell the story. <laughs> and it's always worked that way. And and I, I think... It's a lesson that I'm continuously learning because I keep forgetting. I say, hello, I want to control this, please. You know, let me end it. I'm so tired. I'm end, you know, and it doesn't work that way. So, um, I mean, extending that then, when you start writing, um, who lives in your head first or what lives in your head first? Is it the setting? Is it the characters? Is it the, the rough, I guess, outline of the setup that you're trying to explore? I think it's a sentence. Mm. You know, it's just that one sentence comes and stays in your mind. And um, it's not that I'm fantastically imaginative, but and if you look around, there's so many stories around you. And uh, 
you the funny things that people say, you're a writer. Let me tell you some stories. You know, it's like they want to tell, they want to share their stories and they all have important stories to share. And yeah, so sometimes it begins with that particular sentence, which may or may not come out in the, in the book at all, in the story at all, but it creates that interest. And then, you know, I cook and I clean and I yell at the kids and, and it goes on and on in the mind and it's working in the mind and it grows. And then I come back and I write and it's horrible. So it's like that. It's a process. That's why I said I'm half sloth because each story takes a very long time before it says, okay, poor thing, let's Let's get it on the paper for her. So that actually, I think, gives me a little clue uh, to my next question, because I was going to say your stories have this very lived in quality to them. Uh, The way people uh, speak or think, it really sounds like real people. Mm -hmm. Um, Could you talk to us about how it is writing them? I think I think the stories live in my mind for ages and ages and ages and, and they take shape. And, and they, and, you know, you cut them and they grow and they're constant. And then, and then you come, you read a book and you come across this particular phrase, let's say, and say, oh, yeah, that's it. That's her, you know. And, and I think we're all readers. And as readers, we keep all that. And, and so the, the stories, the, the, the shape shift in your mind constantly. Um, they don't always succeed, you know. Uh, I don't know how many stories are banal or whatever, but I try not to do banal, you know. Try not to do banal. <laughs> well, we are speaking with Saras Manikam, <laughs> whose latest, well, whose debut short story anthology has just been published. It's called My Mother Patu. Uh, we'll be back after this to continue with Saras. But in the meantime, let us know, uh, have you read any of her works? Uh, do you plan to buy this one? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. Books. Figurines, movies. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back. You're listening to Buy the Book with Sharmila and Lynn. And today we're speaking with writer Saras Manikam. Her first collection of short stories has just been published. It's called My Mother Patu. Um, and uh, so we're talking to Saras about mm. the process of getting here. Um, Saras, your career um, has revolved mostly around language, really. Mm. You've been a teacher, a copywriter, an English trainer, textbook writer, coffee table book writer. <laughs> um, but you were also writing short stories all along. As you said, you know, this is a process that's mm. taken uh, many years for you. What was that like? How did these two aspects of yourself feed into each other? Um, on hindsight, I think, I think I should have stuck to one because... It took ages and ages to write fiction because um, writing textbooks, workbooks, coffee table books, they, they, they have a different discipline to them. And uh, the approach is different, the styles different. And when you do that, get so much into that, it's really very hard to switch off and go back here. So, yeah, if I had known about this, maybe I would have... Not written, but then that was very important. It brought in a lot of moolah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, always important. (laughs) Yes, essentially, you know. And um, the change began 
I can't remember the year. I'm so sorry. Uh, sometime uh, when I started writing fiction, I, I wrote to the Chateau de Lavigny, and they saw my work. I hadn't been published yet. And they said, come, spend a few weeks in Switzerland. And I think that acknowledgement that they liked me in spite of the fact that I wasn't published. Mm. And I think I was the only writer that ever invited had ever been not published and, and I don't think it ever got anyone else after that enough one girl you know one person and I think subsequently I went to Prague several times the Prague Writers Program and that what happened was there was this dynamism among writers who were sharing and giving that energy is amazing so when I went there to 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 the Chateau, to, to Prague, and all that. And then the, 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 the mentors were lovely. Stu Dybeck, Richard Katrovas, um, writers themselves. And that energy of sharing work, of looking creative writing and, and seeing how it can work, how it can not work, I think it blew my mind and I think shaped my writing process a great deal. Having said that, Sharon was the one who first, Sharon Baka initiated, um, she set up the, the, the base groundwork, you know, and I, she was very important. But after that, these people came in and they said, look, let's talk about a serious writers. And that's what happened. I became a serious writer. I wanted to bring it back to the stories for a bit because mm -hmm. um, many of them have people of different races intersecting, uh, sometimes quite intimately, and mm. dealing with their own biases and backgrounds. And I think um, this is something that we've talked about on the show. Sometimes in Malaysian writing, that can veer towards caricature. We've mm -hmm. seen it in other mm -hmm. works. So how did you consider this in approaching writing about these characters and their experiences? I don't know. I have to ask you, did you ever feel there was... an any caricature. I try very hard not to, because it, it, that, that itself is reflective of your own bigotry. You're so conscious of that, you know. Mm. Um, I tried not to. Having said that, there were instances like in um, Princess of Lumut, where the guy plays badminton, and then the, the, the spectators say, Bali India, which is a really a mob kind of statement. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, that happened happens quite frequently when people get together. Uh, that was the only time I tried very hard not to fall into that trap of making racial generalizations. You know, it's, it's, uh, and, and even if it did happen, happen, you know, I, in the last story, call it by its name, mm. where the, the narrator had to talk about yeah, this happened, this name-calling happened. You know what? Tomorrow, she'll still be a good woman. And the day after, and the day after, even though this thing has broken us, as a, uh, broken our friendship, I, I had to do that because there's, there is this hum, humane aspect that not all people are caricatures, even when they hate or even when they cast slurs. We're all caught in this bind, and and I think as a writer, I can I can't, or I shouldn't play into it, um, or I don't want to play into it. I wanted I want to call it out, which is very important, but at the same time, I need to step back and say, yeah, but but you know. So one thing I realize is that reading these stories, 
uh, it can often be a little uh, difficult to situate them. Some of them uh, have a clear time marker, mm-hmm. uh, but some feel like they could be set both in the 60s as well as in the, th- in the 2000s, mm-hmm. you know, everything in between, really. Yeah. How did you think about time uh, and the time in which that you were situating these characters and stories? No, the way they were arranged in the book, it's like from the 60s to... To modern day. Yeah. Right. But um, that was the only thing that I did. Having said that, the the last few stories, six, seven stories, they they were the later ones. And and I had deliberately moved away from a family uh, background situation to talking about... Friendships, relationships, identity, gender, race, because that's what we deal with in Malaysia. And and I thought, I can't call myself a serious writer if I pretend that this does not exist, you know? Mm. So if I uh, extend that further, then we do often ask writers of short story collections and anthologies how they think about the order of the stories. And, um, you know, you just explained the the point about the chronology Mm. or the timeline. Uh, Could you talk to us about the order overall and how you thought about it? No, it was just a chronological thing, you know. Uh, The the first story starts in the 1960s. And that was that. I, I I couldn't do it any other way. Like, I couldn't have the first story at the end. Um, it just didn't work. Speaking of which, though, um, and I, I remember asking, the, asking Lynn this because I read the whole collection and then some time went by. And I asked her, were all the stories set in the same place? Or did they kind of... And, and I realized I couldn't quite remember mm-hmm. because particularly the early part of the mm-hmm. anthology, um, there is that connectivity of the Mambang yes, setting, right? Yes. Um, and this is quite a specific frame that is popular with many short story um, anthologies and readers enjoy it as well, where there are these connected characters that all exist within the same location. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they pop up in different stories. Um, for instance, Malgudi Days by Arkin Arayan. Uh, Shiliko did that yeah. with her Some of um, Our Follies. What drew you to this approach? Is this something that grew organically or were you quite specific about wanting that space? Oh, no. I, I think it was just um, convenience. If you, if I had talked about um, Ipo opinioning, I, I would have had to double check and triple check facts places and don't not to get it to, to get them right uh mambang who knows <laughs> it's, it really f- frees you up right. so create. you're not from mambang yourself no there's no such town as mambang is there i wasn't sure i, I don't there think mambang exists yeah, no it no. doesn't exist so i thought maybe it did and i'd never heard of it or maybe no. it was a very small town it, it doesn't okay. exist okay so it really frees you up to create uh, I was worried because I tried, like like in KL, the, the, there's one story set in KL and I had to make sure that um, I got the facts right, the places right, you know, so yeah. So Mambang is apparently a, there's, there is a Mambang, but it's not a Mambang standalone. Yes, it's yes. Mambang di Awan. Yeah, and yes, that's near Kampa. Yes. Yeah. Right. So I, so that maybe that's why I thought it's somewhere near Ipoh. In my <laughs> head, I just thought, oh, this sounds, and then when you said Lumot, I thought, oh, yes, ah, right, it right. must be in that vicinity. <laughs> Geographical clarity now we yeah, have it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Sharmila mentioned a few authors uh, just now and I wanted to ask you, Saras, are there authors that you're particularly inspired by or that you draw inspiration from? You'll scream. I love 
detective stories. Oh, I love British detective stories. <laughs> um, and uh, Louis Spanish. She's not British. She's Canadian. Okay, she's one of my favorite writers. The reason I read women writers, Dorothy Sayers, you know, um, and all that is that. Oh my God! So much of emotion goes into it, not just intellectual application of whatever, but the emotion. They're so authentically real. And uh, okay, Dorothy says it's dead and gone. So, but I really love her work. The one who's still around is um, Louise Penny, um, because her Inspector Aman Gamash series. It has got so much of. Um, Soul. It's a bad word to use, you know, soul. But but it means that there is heart, there is compassion, there's humanity. And I think instinctively I go for that because it makes the whole, it makes people real, um, more, more faceted. And it's not like bam, bam, I'm going to kill you and, you know, it's not <laughs> that. This is uh, what makes a person do what they do. And what happens when they do it? Uh, is there some kind of self-realization? And I like to think that I have taken that on board my stories because um, otherwise they're just people, you know? They're just uh, flat characters on the page. And I thought I got to respect these chaps a bit more, these women. <laughs> well, no, certainly I think there is a sense of mystery at the heart of many of your stories. So I can see that thread quite strongly. Um, I just wanted to close off by asking, um, this was your first collection. What's next for you? I should say a novel. <laughs> I should say a novel. Everybody says write a novel, but I'm, I don't think I'm a novelist. I think I'm a short story writer. Mm. And um, But you can't say, you know. Uh, Maybe in another 10 years, I'll come out <laughs> with the next collection of either short stories or a novel. But yes, but the, the thing is, I'm writing. I, I, I can't not write. So it takes a long time, but the stories are there in the head and, and everywhere you go. They form and they move and they shape shift, but they're there. And when I'm actually listening to them, I think I'll start, you know. The thing is, you don't really listen to your characters because you're so, get on with it, get on with it. I know what I was going to end. And that's always the problem with, with being a writer. <laughs> Cyrus, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you. Just lovely speaking to both of you. We've been speaking with Saras Manikam, who is the writer of My Mother Patu. She's also the Asian regional winner of the 2019 Commonwealth Short Story Prize. My Mother Patu has just come out. Let us know, are you planning to read it? Have you read any of Saras's short stories? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. <music> brings us to footnotes where we are going to do a mini review of Saras Manikam's My Mother Patu. Um, I 
think I'll just say up front, probably quite clear from the interview, I enjoyed this collection very much. I mean, I had read the titular story before when it won the prize. So I think I sort of knew what I was getting myself into. Uh, but even beyond the Patu story, um, I just loved how... So many of these characters are so deeply fascinating and human in so many ways um, that I very much enjoyed um, going on these journeys with them, even when they were difficult and fraught. I, I enjoyed the collection too. And in fact, um, I think I want to reread it because the first time I read it uh, was for our interview with Cyrus. And therefore, I was not rushing, but I was reading it very consistently and maybe not letting each story marinate in the way that I sometimes like to do when we're talking about short story collections because there is a pleasure, isn't there, in reading a story, dwelling on it and then kind of reading the next story the next day and, and building on your experience of reading an entire collection. So I, I kind of would like to go back and do that because I am looking at the book and I'm thinking about the stories that, that I enjoyed and also reflecting on our interview with Cyrus and how she thought about the development of the stories, how they all tied together. And we, I don't necessarily want to talk about the things that we, we touched on in the course of our interview in too much detail, because I'm now thinking, isn't there such a strong theme of memory and how we, we remember each other and how that informs the way we think about the people who've affected our lives, uh, how we think more deeply about why our lives have turned out the way they have based on our memories of those people and those actions. And that actually is a realization or thought that I didn't have while reading the book that I now want to go back and kind of re-dive into. I hadn't actually consciously thought of it until you just mentioned it, um, but you're right. But it's true, right? Yeah, um, not just memory as people literally recalling things that happened in the past, but even how um, you are so inherently shaped by the things that have happened to you and how the things you do in the present um, inevitably are a callback to things that you remember or the way you remember things happening to you. You're right. Because there are a few stories that involve people losing their memories and, and being unable to hold on to both the present and the past. And, and that's an interesting thing to have in the middle of a collection of stories that really deal with those themes in all the stories generally. Well, actually, um, I would extend that because it's not just personal memory, but it's also cultural memory, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a very strong sense of... Um, the Indianness is not something that is overt, although many, many of the characters are Indian. Uh, but there is a strong sense of cultural memory and how that shapes uh, individuals and families. And and um, I was going to say that one of the things I enjoyed tremendously is how um, so many of these characters were in some ways trapped, right? Whether trapped by their community or trapped by their family or trapped by decisions that they didn't necessarily make. Um, and in a way in an odd way that ties in with that idea of memory as well, because you can also be trapped by memories. Mm. So all of which to say, I think that it's a very rewarding collection of, uh, of short stories and one that you can read in any number of ways. You can kind of dip in and out. You can also explore the, um, the, the Mambang series before moving on to modern day. Uh, I also thought that the, I was very 
interested to hear Sarah say that for her, it begins with the sentence because you and I talked a lot about the characters. All of our questions began with, uh, okay, so the characters are like this. Mm. And, and I think that speaks to a sense of how evocative the stories are because they really feel... Uh, lived in, they really feel real and that is supported by very evocative mood setting descriptions. You really feel like you're in these spaces, like you're in an apartment, like you're in um, a house as the as your parents are arguing about your future or you know talking about what happens next and I, I really like that about them because I think that short stories need to do that even more than novels, right? Right at the start, you need to know where you are. Well, that and also I loved how in so many of the stories, uh, for instance, in My Mother Patu, uh, there are scenes that Patu, the mother, is, is described and you can immediately not just see her, but you can see the way she might move around a space. You can see the way she might speak to someone, the look on her face. Um, there is another story, I cannot recall the title, but it's about um, a man whose mother is losing her memory or has mm. you know, progressively lost her sense of self and her memory. And it goes back and forth from past to present, uh, past to present, yeah. And the way she is described and the way their past is described, flashes of her sitting in the stands while he's playing badminton, for instance, you immediately get flashes of these pictures in your head. But that's not to say that Saras is necessarily an utterly descriptive writer. I think she's just very good at giving you just enough detail that you know what these things look like. Woman in the Mirror. Ah, yes, uh, that's the is, one. Is what you're referring yes. to. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think that that one is one of the the stories closer to the middle mm -hmm. that has me thinking about that theme of memory that we spoke about a little bit earlier, right? And I, I think I, I was very happy to hear Sarah say that she thinks of herself as a short story writer because we've spoken about this before. I love short stories. I And, and I love writers who are determined to be short story writers because as a reader I appreciate reading short stories so much I think that they are their own art form I think that they take a specific skill set in writing to do well and so I'm, I'm excited to hear that somebody who has clearly um, come out with a collection that we both enjoyed is interested in continuing that sort of writing journey. I will say, um, and I don't even think this is necessarily a criticism, more like um, an observation, I think, because the first quarter, first third feels so cohesive in the sense yeah. that it's about characters that pop up again and again, to the point where I actually wondered for a significant part of the book, perhaps all of them were related to each other in some way. But as the as the as the book progresses, you realize not necessarily, even though the mood and the tone of the stories are the same. I did think that as we got closer to present day, there was a change or shift in terms of um tone in terms of even uh, some stories started sounding a lot more like memoir or personal essay even. Um, some sounded like commentary. Um, they all were still squarely stories. Um, but I'm not sure whether that's something that would work for everyone. If you prefer a very cohesive collection of short stories, it's possible that about maybe three quarters of the way through, you might start wondering um, why there's, there's a sudden shift. So, you know, I like that. 
Um, mm. I, 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 so I, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I'm just saying that if you don't see it coming, it might. There's a moment where you need to ca- calibrate. I think. Yeah, I, I get that, and that moment is when you leave Mambang. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think that uh, I like it a lot because I we we. I guess I'm looking at it in a more big picture pers- uh, from a more big picture perspective when it comes to Malaysian writing and I think that we have a propensity to to either get stuck in one of two tropes either we're writing about a post-colonial or colonial or wartime Malaya so to speak or we are exploring the the troubles of current Malaysia. And I think that the the very personal lens through which these stories are told allows Saras to do both. And and that means that you do get that variety and you don't feel like you're just being stuck in the oh, okay, here we are in 1945, the mm. Japanese have just left. Um, you know, so so it's nice to be able to have a I guess a, a deeper, more detailed lens through which to look at not Malaysia, but people's personal experiences of living in the country. We've been talking about Cyrus Manikam's My Mother Patu. It's a collection of short stories, Cyrus's first um, publication. And, well, first publication of a book, really. Um, let us know, have you read it? Are you planning to? You can WhatsApp us, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.